0: Welcome to episode 111 of the Swampflix podcast. My name is Brandon Lede.
1: And I'm Brittany Lombas.
0: And we are recording once again in two separate locations in New Orleans, Louisiana. And this is the podcast version of the movie review website Swampflix.
1: Yes.
0: And it's also Brittany's birthday that we're recording on right now.
1: I know. This is it's cool how the world works, right? <laughs> <laughs> that we're recording this episode on my birthday on a Monday. During a pandemic with a thunderstorm. It's great.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I guess it's the closest thing you'll get to a birthday party uh, in our current situation.
1: Honestly, like, I'm not that big. I don't like celebrating my own birthday, like, with a lot of people. I've never, I like celebrating other people's birthdays. So today has actually been really nice. Like, I got to work at home and I watched some Project Runway in the background.
0: I've been watching a ton of that still. I thought I was going to give up and I just kept going anyway.
1: Same. It kind of gets more like in the latter seasons, it's heavily produced where you could tell like the producers are inciting drama and it becomes Ugh. like less about the fashion and more about like the drama between the designers. It gets weird. That's the least
0: interesting part of the show. I, I know.
1: I know. So yeah. Well, what
0: do you do on like a normal year on your birthday?
1: remember (laughs) what is normal (laughs) what is that like i mean i just kind of go like with a few friends and go to a bar or go have dinner somewhere or like just go spend the day doing a bunch of stuff i want to do around the city yeah like Mm -hmm. last year for my birthday they had that bake sale for um the abortion bake sale (laughs) <laughs> it was. Oh, okay. It was named something else, but yeah, it was awesome.
0: Was it the New Orleans Abortion Fund or?
1: Yes, and it's like all these like restaurants in the city like all had these booths set up in this like warehouse, and you would wait in this line to go in. And I just remember like I brought my family with me, and we almost died of a heat stroke. But it was like cool, <laughs> like accomplishing that and stuff, and like being part of something. I guess. Yeah just like stuff like that. Like I don't I don't like getting too extravagant. But like this year was going to be the year that I wanted to do like a bounce bus and just like ride around in the bounce bus to like nowhere. Actually, oh, to um <laughs> not nowhere, um a Bertha's place <laughs> because you have Oh yeah. cuz I'm old enough to get into Bertha's now and I've been wanting to go. Um, so that all fell through. So maybe I'll just do it for my 31st birthday.
0: Yeah, your dirty 30s will continue on. Dirty
1: 31 at Bertha's. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, my God. Real quick, though, I do want to share this like awesome thing that happened. So I was at my parents' in La Rose for Father's Day, which was Sunday, yesterday. And I left really late. And, like, it hit midnight, which was, I guess, like, officially my birthday. And I was, like, on I-10 and Madonna's Like a Prayer started playing. And it was just sort of like, yes, this is it. This is really it. So that was, like, a a really memorable birthday experience.
0: (laughs) And if I remember from the last episode, that is your very favorite Madonna song. So that was a beautiful gift.
1: It is. I started crying. (laughs) (laughs) at (laughs) midnight on i-10 while that was playing and then i started crying more when i realized i was crying (laughs) it's like what's (laughs) wrong with you but yeah that's my favorite madonna song so yeah i guess that's a sign of a somewhat good year to come
0: and this lined up where the episode we're talking about today was like your pick too uh which is great
1: yes i'm really excited well, about all the movies, but one in particular, <laughs> and I think you know what one I'm talking about.
0: There was one that I was not excited about uh, <laughs> after watching it, <laughs> but we'll get—we'll definitely get into all that. Okay. <laughs> but before we get there, were there any other movies you watched recently?
1: Yes. So I've been watching like a lot of movies, and I'm gonna be like super honest. Like I. I haven't been writing them down. Like normally I have like a journal and I'll just jot down like titles of movies that I watched. Cause it's really hard for me to keep track. Cause I don't know. I don't have a good memory. Uh, I'm taking flower essences to help with that though. Let's see if it works. But I watched this movie that like blew my mind. So I'm going to talk about it. It's called Olivia from 1951. It's a Jacqueline Audrey film. It's essentially a like 19th century lesbian romance
0: directed what?
1: by a woman in 1951. That sounds so cool. It was so, so good. So basically, it takes place at this all-girls boarding school out in the countryside of France. And this girl named Olivia arrives to this all-girls boarding school. And she's English, so she comes from like these really strict religious all girls academies and she arrives to this school and it's really free like the girls are just like laughing and having a good time and she gets this fabulous private room and this beautiful like french almost looks like a castle and in the school there are two teachers that sort of run the place there's miss Kara. And Miss Julie. So Miss Cara, she's very gothic and she's like constantly fainting and ill and fanning herself on a chaise lounge. And all the girls go visit her at night and like, you know, hear her stories, look at her pictures. And then there's Miss Julie, who's sort of like the real like head of the school, and the girls kind of separate themselves like the school is sort of divided where they have those who follow Miss Kara, which are the like Karist And then that's what they call themselves and the ones that follow <laughs> Miss Julie. And they're the jewelists. But it's not like Miss Kara and Miss Julie hate each other. There's this weird energy between the two of them that makes it seem like, you know, obviously they were like past lovers and something went awry. Because Miss Kara gets really jealous of Miss Julie's relationships that she has with the girls in the school. And that's what kind of causes her to become ill. Well, Olivia falls in love with Miss Julie, who's mm. much older than her. And Miss Julie reciprocates it. And then she finds out that, like, Miss Julie does this with a lot of the girls at the school. But Olivia, I think, Miss Julie kind of. If there was a list of, like, 50 girls that Miss Julie was into, I'd say Olivia would be, like, number four. Like, she was pretty high (laughs) up there. It's so cool because, like, in no way does this movie make it seem dirty or, like, taboo or anything. Like, she doesn't get shamed for it. Like, she makes it pretty apparent where she, like, asks, you know, her classmates where she's like, Have you ever been in love? I'm in love with Miss Julie. And like no one like kind of shames her for it. And I just found that interesting. Like no one talks about the fact that like no one says I'm a lesbian and I love women, but it's there. And like the fact that no one talks about it kind of normalizes it in an interesting way. There's one scene that I think you would particularly love where they're having like this holiday party at the school and all the girls dress in like drag (laughs) where (laughs) they come out as couples where there's a girl who's dressed in like male drag and a girl who's like really just done up, you know, to the gods. And they perform these dances and stuff. It's really interesting.
0: That sounds great. It was
1: really good. It was really, really good. And it's on the Criterion Channel. Nice. And I think they probably put out there they put a lot of like LGBT movies out for this month because it's Pride Month. But this one is like one of those like forgotten gems. I mean, it just seems like a very like iconic movie in queer cinema. And I'm just like I can't believe I haven't heard of it until like I was browsing Olivia, nineteen fifty one.
0: I'd love to like look into more like obscure, artier, maybe even just like foreign pictures along those lines, because I feel like there were a few, but mm-hmm. like you only really see the like American side of it. Like I was watching um the Celluloid Closet for the first time the other day, and it's like all about gay representation in Hollywood movies in particular. Mm. And I feel like I maybe am more interested in places where you could get away with more.
1: Like France. <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> like France, this movie. or yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I, that made me think about that too. Where I'm like, I never thought of like looking up like historic queer cinema from like France or these more you know liberated countries. So
0: I want to say there was a German one that played locally here called Mocked in, in uniform from like the 30s. It oh. was another like girls' school movie.
1: Yes, yes. Actually, I was reading a couple articles about Jacqueline Audrey. And she was inspired by that movie.
0: Oh, perfect. I haven't seen
1: it. Maybe we could do some kind of episode on that. That'd be pretty dope.
0: Lesbian girl schools of the uh, distant past. Yeah, it'd be awesome.
1: We can top it off with like Reform School Girls with Wendy Williams.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) Swerve.
1: (laughs) Throw it out there. But yeah, Olivia, fantastic. And the only other movie that I can... I'm watching so much Project Runway, damn it. But I finally got around to watching The Joker. Ooh. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I didn't like it.
0: Uh, I have some thoughts on that. I kind of want to save it for next episode,
1: though. Oh, oh, okay. The big thing that came out of it for me was like, do I not like superhero and supervillain movies as much as I used to? I don't think I do. <laughs> I, I think that movie really brought it to light. Like, before I was like, oh, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot with like all these superhero movies that are like constantly being like, you know, thrown at us.
0: We don't really talk about those on this show at all, uh, even though they're like a major part of like the box office, you know?
1: Well, I used to love them when I was a teenager and, and in my early 20s, and I just don't. And the only one I will say that I do like is X Men. I like the X Men movies just because they're cool, you know, like they're mutant people which is awesome but like as for just like batman superman eh. spider-man
0: well i really liked the joker movie and i did not expect to i really thought i would really but (laughs) i think i should table those thoughts until next episode
1: (laughs) we can hash it out and that's all i want to talk about what have you been watching
0: i can't tell if it's because i'm bored Or if I'm just back on my bullshit. But uh, I've been watching uh, more like porno type movies again.
1: Oh my god. I watched one recently. What was it? Oh god. Now that you mention it. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting. It's that one on Netflix where it's like 365, 365 days or something. I
0: don't know that one.
1: It's a Polish film. And it came on Netflix. And it hit like number two on Netflix immediately. But it's this movie about this like italian guy who like is from sicily and in the mafia and he captures this chick who's from poland and she has 365 days to fall in love with him he doesn't like rape her but he like tries to get her like horned up for him what's it called when you fall in love with your captor what's that word
0: stockholm syndrome yeah
1: it's got a lot of that where he he'll get like women to give him like blowjobs and tie her up and make her watch and like stare Ooh. at her in the eyes. It's very very sad. It felt like a softcore porn and it's on Netflix.
0: Nice. Was it good?
1: I liked it. It was like Fifty Shades of Grey, like amped up.
0: So kind of like an erotic thriller drama kind of thing.
1: Kind of yeah. I mean, it's funny. The acting's horrible, but it's filmed beautifully. Like they're in these great places in like Italy, and it's fun. I don't know, I feel weird about this because it's like people are saying it promotes like rape culture but I feel like it's made for women. Like it almost feels like like a woman's fantasy if that makes like sense. Yeah, like that's how I looked at it where I don't think men are going to watch this and go like, "Whoa." I think women are going to watch this and go like, "Sweet." Like, you know, this like big dick Italian capturing <laughs> you in a room. It, it's it's like that. It's interesting and I, the cultural phenomenon that's coming from it is interesting to watch. So yes, if you've been watching pornish movies i would recommend this
0: oh i definitely need to see that yeah i did watch one from uh finland that's pretty similar uh it's called dogs don't wear pants and it's on shutter
1: is it about the meme of like dogs wear pants like this you know what
0: i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> i wish no it's like a command from a dominatrix she like tells her customer you know take your pants off dogs don't wear pants oh, and she makes them crawl across the room yeah
1: <laughs> that's great
0: So it's this drama about this surgeon whose wife dies. So he's like his dad uh, who's raising his teenage daughter on his own. And he's not over his wife dying. He's just going through the motions of his day. And then he accidentally stumbles into this dominatrix's dungeon. And she strangles him for like trespassing. And he really gets off on it. So he starts going back to her to pay for her to strangle him to the point where he's like euphoric. Because he's going to die of oxygen deprivation. And you know. Choking and breath play are like a real thing that people do. It's super dangerous. No,
1: there's a guy, I think like a few years before I went to UNO, there was a guy that died in the dorms because of that. I remember everybody was complaining about the smell or something. Oh, no. (laughs) And it was like the old dorms, those creepy ones all the way in the front before they made the new ones.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember those. It looks like
1: a hospital building. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, definitely a real thing.
0: Well, this guy knows better, right? Cuz he's a surgeon. Um, he knows that like cutting off the oxygen <laughs> to your brain is like a terrible idea. That probably
1: makes it even hotter for him. <laughs> Cuz he knows.
0: I think he gets into this like euphoric state and then eventually like basically just wants to die. Like he's like basically paying her to participate in it, like his death wish. But she like catches feelings for him. Uh the way that always happens in these like dominatrix movies, you know, like the right man comes along and softens her icy heart. Kind of an annoying trope. But the plot does like follow my favorite template which was kind of what you were just saying Where like he knows something is bad for him but it makes him super horny so he keeps going back to it anyway Mm -hmm. and i just love movies and tv shows like that i love when somebody knows that they're gonna die because of something that they can't stop doing because it makes them super horny that's just really fun for me it's
1: very carpe diem
0: it's just very relatable like the, the idea of like being attracted to something and not being able to help that and you're sort of like powerless to it, even if you know better, you know, mm-hmm. it's a vulnerability that I feel like most people have. Like, unless you're asexual, you probably have that to some degree.
1: Yeah. And even like beyond you can even like that that's something that is beyond sexuality too. like, you know, like picking at your scabs and, you know, you're going to bleed, but you keep doing it.
0: Yeah. That kind of impulsive fixated behavior.
1: Everyone's got some weird thing like that that they do.
0: And the movie's just like shot really well. Her dungeon that she works in is this like red neon lighting,
1: Ew, um, and she cool. wears all these
0: like patent leather cat suits, so like the lights like bounce off of her like Catwoman type wardrobe, and the movie just gets more and more violent as it goes along, and more and more like horny. It's not great, but it's it's a pretty solid like erotic thriller hmm. with some like kinky subtext to it. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it.
1: And what year did it come out?
0: It's new. Oh. I just hit Shudder this year.
1: Oh, okay. Cool, cool.
0: I also ordered a 70s movie called Inserts. I just watched that last night. It stars Richard Dreyfuss. Whoa. And Jessica Harper from Suspiria are like the two main leads.
1: Um, Suspiria and Shock Treatment?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that too, yeah. <laughs> so he's like a director in like the old Hollywood times who... Quit the business when silent films went out of favor and they started doing talkies. So it's like one of those movies. But, you know, instead of getting sad about it, like in the artist, what he does is he like drinks himself into just like a cruel stupor alone in his like mansion and like just doesn't leave his house.
1: Does he smoke a lot of cigarettes, too?
0: Yep. Smokes a lot of cigarettes and just drinks a lot of cognac. Sold.
1: And just acts mean. Sold.
0: <laughs> and he can't get hard because he's so drunk all the time but he is filming pornos in his mansion so like he never leaves but people come over to film this like pornography with him so it's like these like silent era like stag film type Whoa. movies but he's making it in the 30s and Jessica Harper is kind of like this newer girl in town who wants to get into the business and wants him to teach her how movies are made by filming scenes for this porno and it ends up being this like kind of weird snm back and forth uh, the whole movie's shot in this like real time kind of thing like a stage play where it just never cuts away like you just kind of watch them go back and forth over the course of two hours and they're kind of like trying to top each other he's trying to gross her out and scare her away from being in the industry by like calling her boobs meat or like uh. being really vulgar and telling her like to show him her cunt. And she just doesn't back down. And then she eventually starts teasing him about the fact that he's like so drunk that he can't get aroused. Uh, and she starts like sort of subverting the power dynamic that they had going on. And it's just this really mean, gross, drunk S and kind of dynamic they have. And it's surprisingly funny. Like for a movie that's just really fucked up and kind of violent and just upsetting, it made me laugh a lot. The kind of like laughter where you just feel bad. And it's like a X rated Hollywood production. Like it's a legitimate movie with a few other, like, recognizable actors in it. And Richard Dreyfus was in this the same year he was in Jaws. So you would think <laughs> that it would have like kind of like a reputation, but i I'd never heard of inserts until recently. I saw that Blu ray was like on sale for cheap, so I just kind of blind bought it.
1: Oh, it's on Blu-ray. <laughs>
0: yeah. Amazing. It was a nice, like, cleaned up restoration of it.
1: Wow. That sounds really, really cool.
0: I got one more that I bought on DVD recently, and I want to bring this up because I thought of something you said last time we talked while watching it. Um, you were talking about how we're creating, like, our own little worlds in our houses right now while we're all in stay-at-home mode. Yes. I bought this DVD for a movie I've been meaning to watch forever, but it's out of print, I found like a dead stock copy. It was pretty cheap. Uh, it's it's called Pink Narcissus mm. from 1971, and it was a movie made by this guy who started as like a stage decoration guy, and he did drag, so he did like a lot of costumes and like background art for these like drag shows and pageants, and then he eventually became a fine art photographer, who basically. Specialized in softcore beefcake magazines so like gay porno kind of but basically just shirtless buff men that were like passed off as like physique magazines I mean you know you know what I'm talking about
1: vaguely I haven't read one but I've seen them in the movies. <laughs> So, yeah, they're
0: just these magazines that are, like, basically excuses to watch or to look at these, like, naked shirtless boys who are, like, kind of playfully wrestling. And they're, like, passed off as fitness magazines. But they were, like, really just gay porn that was, like, a workaround to make it legal in the 50s. Wow. His are so beautiful, though, because he brings in these, like, that, like, drag pageantry background into the beefcake stuff. So what he would do is he would turn his apartment into these, like fantasy worlds like he would create this like underwater effect where it looks like a merman is swimming down to like get gold or like uh he would create like a cave for two boys to like dry off by the fire after swimming all night together
1: nice
0: and because it took so long to make and then photograph those environments he would just like sleep in his like cramped new york city apartment on these sets Like, he would just, like, convert his living space into these, like, fake little artificial worlds and then just sort of sleep in the, the props and, like, work around them. And eventually what he did was he made a whole movie like that. Over the course of, like, six years, he made this gay porno in his little tiny apartment, like, in his kitchen, in his living room. There's not much of a plot to it. It's, like, this prostitute is daydreaming and waiting for a John to come over. And while he does that, he's, like picturing all these like tableaus. So it's kind of like the same beefcake photography, but just in motion. So like he'll picture himself in a field of flowers and a butterfly will like land on his stomach. And then he'll picture like a matador wooing a boy in the stands with a cape. But as it got closer to the seventies, he was allowed to get away with more. It was not illegal to make porn (laughs) after a certain point. So then some of them get really vulgar, like, there's this, like, anonymous blowjob in front of a urinal, and then he, like, drowns the guy blowing him in this, like, river of semen. So, like, the way they achieved that was they filled this, like, bathtub full of milk and, like, kind of fake drowned somebody in it. Oh,
1: my God. It looks crazy. This sounds um, amazing. And so you said that you, so you got a DVD copy, but it's, it's not, like, something that's very easy to find?
0: Not really. Not in a good shape. Like Gotcha. You can watch it on YouTube, but it's so fuzzy. Mm. And even honestly, the DVD doesn't look that great. It was filmed on 16 millimeter. Okay. And then they blew it up to a 32 millimeter print. And then it was converted to video. Even the DVD I feel like I have is just not in great shape because it's been, you know, shifted around formats so often. It's such a beautiful fantasy piece that really needs to be like cleaned up oh, in, like, restoration
1: fantasy films that are like made in like the late sixties and early seventies are just some of my favorite things. They almost seemed like extra fantastical, you know?
0: Yeah. And this has that same sort of surreal feel that a lot of those movies have. It just also happens to be a gay porno too, which uh, is fun I mean, to whatever. Watch.
1: Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll watch it. <laughs>
0: Even if you can't find the movie, I mean, it's around, but the book that collects his photographs, uh, his name is James Bidgood, and the book is just called James Bidgood. It's just a beautiful art piece, like Ooh. just thumbing through his photographs and really seeing in vivid detail, like how beautiful these props and environments he created were. It almost makes it even more frustrating that the movies like so fuzzy and like has been kind of disregarded. Uh,
1: somebody will catch it and restore it. Right? Right? I
0: would hope so. <laughs> I hope And it sounds like Pink Narcissus uh, inserts and 365 Days all kind of have like a quarantine vibe to them as well. Just like not leaving your house, (laughs) like having this like frustrated, horny, violent experience. So I'm definitely have to watch 365 Days to complete that trifecta.
1: It's just so crazy that like it's this foreign language film on Netflix that has like Three-star ratings at the most, I think. And like people are going wild for it.
0: That sounds like something I need to check out. Yeah. I'm currently on that (laughs) wavelength for some reason.
1: (laughs) Yes, go to it. It's fun.
0: Well, today, like I said earlier, you got to pick the topic for the episode. And what we're going to do is we're going to put behind us the era of elevated horror. You know, the 2010s was the time of uh, elevating horror to a new level with like these slow builds and this atmospheric feeling. Today we're talking about elevator horror. Horror movies that are set in and around elevators. Mm -hmm. That's what we're gonna carve out as like the next wave. I think we really discovered a new niche here.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And there's there's so much more than what we're even gonna talk about.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we found probably about like 10 movies total that were horror movies set in and around elevators. Um, So we really had to, like, whittle it down to three pictures. Um, but I feel like we got a good grab bag. And
1: I think that there's going to be more elevator horror in the future because of the elevator horror that exists in real life with this pandemic, you know? Like, being trapped in an elevator with somebody that has, like, a deadly disease and is, like, hacking up their lungs on you. <laughs> you can't escape.
0: <laughs> Honestly, that is, like, the most nerve-wracking experience I've had recently. I was in the parking garage at my job, and... I waited for the person ahead of me to take the elevator up by themselves. I was like, "Oh, you just go ahead, I'll get the next one." Um the elevator came back down and I got inside and before the doors closed, a restaurant worker walked in without a mask on.
1: No. And I like
0: rode it up with her. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to die now because of this goddamn elevator. I wish I had taken the stairs."
1: <laughs> yeah, I've taken the stairs any time I had to, but like uh, I haven't gone back into my office yet, but sometimes I have to work on the like 23rd floor and I'm just going to have to do it.
0: Ugh. Well, the tagline for one of the movies we we're watching today is, take the stairs, take the stairs, for God's sake, take the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Words to live by, apparently. Yes,
1: yeah, that's exactly what's happening now.
0: <laughs> and all that's coming up to you right, right, right now. now.
1: I'm Olivia de Havilland. You see me in these pleasant surroundings,
0: safe, secure. But am I really? Are you? There's a side of life we tend to ignore. The world of humans so callous, so degraded, they are worse than animals. My new picture, Lady in a Cage, explores that world. It's a strong picture with a terrifying theme, which affects us all. That's why I urge adult, responsible people to see Lady in a Cage. You will be shocked. You will be terrified and fascinated. And now it's time for our movie, The Minute. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other. And we built this episode around Brittany's recommendation. What did you make me watch?
1: I made Brandon watch this fabulous film called Lady in a Cage. (laughs) The cage is the elevator. So it stars... Miss Olivia de Havilland, where she's a one of the main characters in one of my all time favorite movies, Hush Hush, Sweet Charlotte, which is a psycho bitty film. It's one of the the top tier Psycho Bitty films, right? And this is a psycho bitty film too. And Olivia De yeah. Havilland is a psycho bitty. It's everything.
0: I kind of think of it as like a psycho bitty origin story. Like she starts (laughs) off really classy. And then by the end of the movie, she's like full psycho bitty.
1: Well, you know, I thought that too. And then I think she was weird the whole time. I guess I should talk about the beginning of it. Yeah. To make my point with that. So Olivia de Havilland has this nice home in the suburbs and she lives with her son and her son calls her darling. And at first I thought that her son was her husband, like a younger husband. Yeah, and like she was like this woman he was dating and he was going to kill her in the elevator to get her money or something, but it's her son. So there we have our little uh Swamp Flick specialty, right? Chef's Kiss to that incest element <laughs> that comes up in a lot of the movies we talk about. So um, she had like some kind of, I'm assuming like a hip replacement surgery or something like that. And she's dolled up in this movie to, And she acts in this movie to be um, older than what she really was when it was filmed. So she had her like, you know, old lady hip surgery. And she got a private elevator put in her home so that she can easily go from the top floor to the bottom floor and back up again. Well, her son leaves um to go on like a work trip and leaves this note to her and on the note instead of dear mom it just says darling across it it's not like a good note he's like basically saying you know you have smothered me and you're an overbearing mother and i'm gonna kill myself (laughs) like it's a very sad note and he leaves it around like her jewelry box area like her vanity so she's alone in the house. Her son like leaves pretty, you know, he leaves. And like a few minutes after he leaves, she gets in her little private home elevator to go back up. And there's some freak accident that happens outside where a ladder hits an electrical wire and the electricity in her house gets turned off. So she's stuck in this elevator. And at first she's like, oh, yeah, I won't be here for long. Somebody will hear me. Something will happen. Like she keeps talking to herself to like build herself up to be like I'm going to be okay in this horrible situation. So she's ringing this like emergency bell, hoping that someone outside will hear and like she lives in an insanely busy neighborhood. It's like <laughs> 4th of July weekend. There's, like, tons of cars. People have got their, like, pool toys in their car, ready to go to the beach. There's cops. There's bikes. There's people walking. There's people everywhere. And, like, all of her, like, cries for help go ignored. And that happens throughout the entire movie. So no one hears her bell. And then the bell captures the attention of a homeless alcoholic who goes into her house and finds her, like, wine closet And a couple of her fancy things like she has like all these like fancy porcelain trinkets and stuff like that and fine china and silverware. So he leaves the house and he has like an older friend who's like a sex worker. And he's like, Hey, I found this like treasure trove of like fancy stuff that we can go and steal and sell it to this pawn shop. So while they're at the pawn shop, getting money for, like, a a toaster. I'm I'm assuming toasters were expensive back then. (laughs) So they're getting money for this toaster, and there's this, like, group of, like, teenage, like, juvenile delinquents who are just, like, wreaking havoc all over the damn place, and they decide to follow the homeless alcoholic, I, I believe his name's George, back to the house, and, like, before the teenagers get to this house where Olivia de Havilland's trapped in the elevator, the, the the creepiness of the movie is very voyeuristic where there's a woman who, like, is on display in this cage and the criminals in her house can see her, but she can't see them.
0: It looks like a bird cage. Like, it, it's not like a typical little elevator. It's like open... With this, like, lattice. Yes. And she, like, considers jumping to the floor, but, like, gets, like, kind of dizzy, vertigo, like, looking (laughs) at the ground.
1: Right. So she is, like, you know, screaming for help, constantly failing to get the phone off the hook to, like, call the police. and, And her AC's out and it's hot. And she's, like, sweating and getting crazier. (laughs) Like, as time goes by, with the heat and the exhaustion and the situation she's in, she starts losing her mind and unraveling. Well, everything's kind of mild until, like, these teenagers go to the house. And they, like, just amp it up. And they ignite a lot of insanity. And things become very violent. There's, like, a girl a young like a guy he looks like younger than the rest of the group so i'm assuming he's sort of like the kid brother in this group of teenagers and then there is um james Kahn, who's like the leader of everything and he's like the biggest asshole um one of the biggest assholes i've probably seen in a movie and they are like just they get off on just being mean and terrorizing people and it's just funny because it's like is that how the people in this era viewed like their version of millennials, (laughs) you know, like Olivia de Havilland's very old fashioned and like, it seems like her and the movie is trying to be like, what is our society coming to where these teenagers like have no respect for anyone and they just cause trouble and they want to terrorize people. And, nobody's listening to calls and cries for help like there's this weird theme going on like that throughout this entire movie
0: i agree with that but i don't think it's generational i think it's class because even the wino and the sex worker like they are about olivia de Havilland's age but they're dirt poor um and they're acting like little cretins too like the wino can't even uncork a bottle of wine he just like smashes it open to get it down his gullet as fast as possible like everybody is cranked to 11 (laughs) i see that i feel like the movie's like about class disparity where like she is rich and they are poor and that's like the difference okay but it has no sympathy for the poor people at all like it's like these are depraved animals
1: (laughs) right it's pretty wild yeah in that way i'm seeing this now (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I think the way they distinguish it themselves, too, is, like, James Kahn recognizes that, and, like, he refers to his gang as animals and to her as the human being. Uh, like, she's, like, the one human being in the house, and, like, everyone else are these, like, critters. Oh. And he kind of, like, antagonizes her by, like, offending her propriety. Like, he, like, burps a lot in her face because he knows that that would annoy her.
1: <laughs> it does.
0: <laughs> and he, like, really hones in on making sure that she's brought down to his level. Like when they find that letter from the son, they don't really say out loud what's happening, but it seems like she has this sort of like incestuous doting smothering thing going on. And the son is like closeted gay, but she doesn't realize that. And the note kind of like tips the hand on that too. Right. And he's like, you know, trying to like needle her and be like, you know, your life isn't perfect. You're not a good person either. Look what you did to your kid. So, like, almost like the point of the movie is just, like, there are no good people. Like, everybody in this film is a huge piece of shit in their own special way. Uh, He's just, like, more immediately recognizable as as an asshole. Right. Her assholery is uh, shrouded. It takes a while to, like, reveal it because she's rich.
1: Yes, Brandon. I miss this whole class thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, oh, it's like a, a mean old lady that doesn't like the mean young kids. I don't know.
0: I don't think it's, like, saying anything particularly smart about it, though. Like it brings that up and it makes that the difference between her and the home invaders but i don't think it's like really digging into any of the issues or anything
1: i will say that the weird relationship she has with her son i had this like conversation with someone this weekend so there's a show on tlc called smothered and it's about mothers and daughters who have like way close relationships like like, there's one situation where a daughter's, like, in her 20s and she showers with her mom. Ah! And her mom, like, washes her hair and stuff for her in the shower. No. They go get, like, colonics together and her mom, like, shoves a tube in her butt for her. Like, it's crazy. And, like, and of course I watch it. <laughs> but I kept thinking, I'm like, what happens whenever, like, that's, like, mother and son? And then I'm like, oh, it's like Malcolm in this movie with Olivia de Havilland. <laughs> This movie, it's got the Oedipus element to it with that, and the, and the part towards the end where her son doesn't get his his eyes gouged out, but uh, James Caan's character does.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I, yeah. I didn't catch
1: that. Well, it reminded me a lot of Funeral Parade of Roses, whenever at the end, like, she goes out into the streets with her eyes, like, all gouged yeah. out like that. I wouldn't have... Made that connection if we wouldn't have watched Funeral Parade of Roses so frequently.
0: That's our movie of the month right now.
1: Yes. So I love this movie. It's ridiculous. But also it has some creepiness to it. It had the same kind of creepiness like with movies where people are killing. And the reason they're killing is just because they can. Like when George, who is the man who's homeless and alcoholic... He's, like, lying on the ground, and then James Collins character, like, orders him to be killed, and he's like, why do you kill me? Like, there's no reason for you to kill me. I'll leave, like, and he's like, well, you're here, you know? Like, I'm I'm killing you because you're here. And, like, that to me is scary. It's very, like, like the Strangers movies, Mm -hmm. where it's like, we're going to invade your house, and you're here, so we're just going to kill you just because.
0: The absence of reason is, like, the terrifying part of that. Right. Just, like, random which is like a scaremongering thing that all right-wing conservative, wealthier people always have on the back burner. Apparently all the way back to the 60s at least. Where like, you know, one of the arguments against why we can't abolish the police is people are like afraid that if there's no <laughs> cops, then people are just going to, all of a sudden it's going to be the purge where people are just like breaking into houses and like <laughs> slitting throats and taking things.
1: Like I haven't called the cops ever and this ever yeah. happened. <laughs> it's gonna be okay it's
0: just like this like weird agreed upon paranoia that everyone's just sort of raised to believe um and this movie takes that kind of at face value and is like as soon as you're helpless and your guard is down you know (laughs) <laughs> depraved criminals are gonna break into your house and take all your stuff and torture you <laughs> right well just you're tra- because they can while
1: you're trapped in your private elevator <laughs> right screaming There's, oh i wish i knew the quote verbatim but i love whenever like she gets the phone off the hook and she's like help help i'm stuck in a private elevator in my own home <laughs> 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 help please help i am trapped in small private elevator
0: her line delivery is really fun oh
1: it's so good because she's so i mean she's a fa- fantastic like actress you know what i mean like and she's playing this role in this like trash movie but she's playing it with like 100 percent of her being it's great
0: and if you watch the trailer for the film, she introduces it with that same sort of prim and proper distance. <laughs> She's like, Hi, I'm Olivia De Havilland, and I need to tell you <laughs> about my new movie, Lady in a Cage. Like it's it's very like
1: <laughs> I didn't almost like it. masterpiece theater. Ooh, like hi. I'm like Laura not Laura Lenny. Yeah, Laura Lenny. <laughs> yeah, it is
0: Laura Lenny, yeah.
1: <laughs> awesome. But yeah, so I mean that's essentially a lady in a cage. It's a lot of fun, and I love the way that like a lot of it's shot. It's very like Hitchcock, where there's like focus on all these little things that kind of like cause other things to happen. There's a lot of focus on the mechanics of the elevator and the electric box, and I love the what you call it the opening credits with like the oh the yeah jazz music and like so
0: graphic. <laughs>
1: There's this part where these people are like necking in a car and there's like a religious radio show talking about how the devil's among us while they're doing it. And the voice sounds just like Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek. And it's so (laughs) funny. (laughs) But, but yeah, like I, I loved it because it almost looks like it's going to be an episode of like a TV series.
0: Yeah, it's like a snazzy 60s <laughs> jazzy kind of thing. Yeah. And Saul Bass was the one who um, created all that stuff for Hitchcock. Uh, and it looks like it's kind of riffing on his whole aesthetic. Um, it's definitely like a trashy Hitchcock version of a Psycho Biddy. Yeah. Like I feel like it's a pretty accurate description <laughs> of it.
1: This is the Psycho Biddy movie that I didn't know that I needed. That's how I would sum it up. So what did you think of it, Brandon? What are your thoughts?
0: It's hard for me to fully embrace it in that way because while it is fun and campy, it's also just so gross and just mean. Like, this is a misanthropic movie. This movie just hates humanity and, like, (laughs) I want to say, like, Americana, too. Like, it juxtaposes all these images of, like, baseball and, you know, fighter jets and going to church. like
1: people honking their horns.
0: Yeah, like... 4th of July weekend is the setting like you said. Yeah. But it doesn't present any of those things in a endearing way like those are juxtaposed with images of like a dead dog, you know, roadkill or like like you said earlier people making out and then on the radio there's like reports of a decapitated woman. It's kind of doing this thing where it's showing like, you know, the underbelly of Americana, like the ugly aspect of this like suburban American culture. But at the same time, it kind of takes Olivia de Havilland's point of view. Like, it is genuinely disgusted with these lowlifes who have nothing better to do than, like, feed off of rich people. There's no sympathetic character on either side, but I feel like it's more centered to her line of thinking. Yeah. Like, if I feel if like this movie was made now, there would be some, like, sympathy for the kids who, who like, break into the house like, did you see Don't Breathe a few years ago?
1: They, like, robbed the blind man.
0: Yeah. I don't like that movie, but that makes more sense. It's like a modern version of you're this. You're right.
1: Because like, it's like they're doing something horrible and you're like, wow, I should hate these people. But then you're like, oh, they're human beings and they don't really mean to do any harm. <laughs> that right. Much. Yeah.
0: They want money. Yeah. Uh, they need money. Yeah. But this is, like, just kind of this wild feeling where the heat of the summer makes everyone like angry and mad and wild (laughs) and like even her like she starts off the film like really buttoned up and then she gets sweaty and gross and you know the movie kind of sexualizes her she like starts ripping at her like
1: oh yeah bodice
0: to like expose her breasts
1: of the movie you you almost see her nipples as she's like crawling out into the streets
0: (laughs) yeah and that's like the one thing that the movie does as far as like evening the playing field where she's treated the same as the other people is it like brings her down to their level. Like she's the human being at the front of the movie. And then by the end of the movie, like they're all animals <laughs> a little bit of inconvenience and her wealth, not helping her out of a snag. And all of a sudden she's just as like depraved and, animalistic as everyone else.
1: It's the heat. The heat does it to me all the time. I mean, (laughs) God, (laughs) I get it.
0: But yeah, I I liked it a lot. I thought it was like really fun, but just also really sour and upsetting. So it's like one of those things where I can't really embrace it as like, I couldn't watch this all the time. You know, it's not like something I can return to anytime soon just because it makes you feel so gross. Uh, There's just like this kind of sticky, nasty layer to all of it, especially the bathtub scene. Ugh, in particular
1: with the weird lipstick that looks like blood and chocolate at the same time
0: yeah the younger brother type character in the trio of he's teenagers. the one that
1: scares me the most I think out of the three of them
0: yeah and he's like the only person of color in the movie too and I feel like the movie's like you know playing that up is like part of what makes him extra scary is this like sexually depraved huh. Latino deviant but he like really wants to have sex with the girl in the group and James Con's not having it but they play with him a little bit like they let him into the, the bathtub where the girl is um, and she teases him as if they're about to have sex. But instead, she just smears lipstick all over his face until he's just like covered in it like blood.
1: And they try to like drown him.
0: <laughs> yeah, it turns into this like kind of S&M thing.
1: It's weird. Like they all kind of get off on each other's pain in this weird way. Like when yeah, like James Collin has his eyes gouged out. They're like, you can't catch us because you your eyes are gouged out. kind of weird gameplay with it like the way they act reminds me a lot of like reefer madness yeah where it's just like nobody acts like this it's stupid it's like so ridiculous and over the top that that's what it reminds me of a lot
0: there were a lot of movies I feel like in the 70s like that in particular I'm thinking of like I drink your blood or I eat your flesh uh, whichever one of those with the hippies um, who eat bad acid and then become cannibals there's another one called tenement that's really fucked up but you know those are from like a more hyper-violent era of filmmaking where like you actually see gore and usually rape scenes. This one's more implying that kind of stuff. Besides the eye gouging, right? The violence is just sort of in the air. It's never like realized on screen. It's
1: still just as icky if, as if it would be. Ugh. Yeah, it's I get just it. as
0: upsetting. And it's pointless too. It's it's kind of like the strangers like you were saying earlier. Like they have no real goal. Other than robbing her, but they could have done that and left. Instead I they're just like playing around. I think
1: this movie would reach pure perfection if it would just be Olivia to have Lynn the whole time in her elevator screaming, <laughs> like without anybody trying to break in her house.
0: I think it would be funnier, for sure. Like it'd be more of like a campier like baby Jane knockoff. Yes it would. But the way it is now, it's still very interesting and there's a lot to like pick apart. I just feel like I needed a shower after watching it. It's a really upsetting movie.
1: Especially like the looking like James Kahn's like his chest hair looks so gross in this movie because it's like he's super sweaty and it looks almost like there's grease and dirt on it. I don't know. He grossed me out.
0: He's a pretty good macho um archetype, like just that giant square jaw of his and that broad hairy chest.
1: Oh, you know this was his first movie. That's wild. Yeah, like he only did television before, but this was his first movie.
0: Well, before we move on, like let me ask you like this is an elevator horror film. It's it's like a woman trapped in an elevator helplessly watching people rummage about her stuff and like sort of verbally tormenting her. How how do you feel like it, it works as an elevator movie? Does that really matter? If, if she was like tied up instead of in the elevator, would it be any different?
1: You know what? I think it would. I think the elevator part of it's scary because it's a machine that we don't really have control over. Compared to other elevator horror movies, like the elevator isn't the nemesis in here. It's not like the killer, you know, it's just holding her. Um, but I think like with especially home elevators being something that wasn't common and was more of like a new thing, like I feel like that new technology scare was probably a lot higher than we felt when we watched it. <laughs> you know, when it came out in like the sixties. I feel like it's more it leans a little more towards like home invasion horror. Yeah, for sure. But it's elevator horror, damn it. (laughs) It is. Yeah, I feel like
0: there's something about that, like, being helpless when your technology fails you. Like, she was dependent on it working, whether or not other people were home to, like, bail her out if it failed.
1: And, like, all these things that they built in it to help them, like, the, the alarm failed her, too. I just kept thinking about, like, if I was stuck in an elevator and, like, the emergency thing didn't work. And no one could find me. That fear.
0: Have you ever been stuck in an elevator before? Yes. Me too.
1: (laughs) It was at my old job. And it got stuck. And I was in there with just like three people. And we called like the people to say, hey, we're stuck. Like nobody was answering. And someone answered and like, what's the problem? And I was like, we're stuck in here. Get us out. Get us out. Get us out. And... I just had to like sit down and take some deep breaths. And then the girl that was in there with me, this other girl was like losing her shit. And I'm like, this is how I'm going to (laughs) die.
0: How long were you in there?
1: (laughs) Like 10 minutes.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. It wasn't
1: that bad. But the way I was acting, it was like I was in there for days. (laughs) 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 I just, I can't handle it.
0: The one by my job, uh, I get stuck in sometimes, you know, every few months. Oh my God. And I always get it open. So, I try not to freak out. I kind of just like calmly, like, okay, I'm going to wait a second and it's going to work. (laughs) Brandish. But I keep using it because everyone else uses the elevator that never breaks down.
1: (laughs) It's like (laughs) the line's not as long. And you're like, God, it just, I'll chance it. Yep. (laughs) Holy shit.
0: And those, I mean, and this is a little different too, because Olivia De Havilland's in this like open birdcage type uh elevator where she can like at least breathe fresh air. Uh, it's really terrifying when you're stuck in one that's just like closed and that's it.
1: Oh God, yeah. Like I don't know, like part of it, I was like, just jump, just jump out of it. It's not that bad.
0: <laughs> Break your other hip.
1: Yeah, it's already broken. Who cares? <laughs> The stairs take the
0: stairs for god's sake take the stairs uh you mentioned earlier that lady in a cage was not you know a pure elevator horror film like it's home invasion film that happens to feature an elevator yes i feel like the next movie we're going to talk about from 1983 <laughs> uh, is a pure elevator horror film. Maybe the purest of all.
1: Yes, it is authenticated. What is it? It is a Dutch film called The Lift. And it it really is about a killer elevator. So the director of this film also wrote the movie and he did the, mu- the music for the movie. His name is Dick Mass. <laughs> and he also directed a bunch of Golden Earring music videos.
0: What's Golden Earring?
1: You know that song? I'm stepping into the Twilight Zone.
0: No, I do not. Or it's like, and (laughs) the bullet
1: hits the bone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: I know that one. Yeah, that's it. That's (laughs) it.
1: That's Golden Earring, the Twilight Zone. Well, he he did the video for it. That song's like 10 minutes long, too.
0: He also did an English language uh, remake of the lift called Down.
1: With Naomi Watts?
0: Yeah, like decades (laughs) later.
1: (laughs) This movie... (laughs) It's basically about this elevator in this office building and the action happens from the get-go. Like right when this film starts, there's like two horned-up couples in the elevator and people start getting naked and they start almost having sex and then the elevator stops and like starts to suffocate them.
0: <laughs> Which I feel like is the kind of, you know, actually being stuck in an elevator horror that we were just talking about. Not that, you know, you and I, not that I know of, are having sex in the elevator when we get caught.
1: No, I'm just, I've got my head in the corner and I'm like, please let me get out of here alive, please.
0: But the way it conveys like that something evil is happening is, you know, the dick mass music starts (laughs) intensifying. Some of
1: that dick mass.
0: (laughs) And they get really hot and like start taking off their clothes and they can't breathe.
1: It's so gross because I'm like, God, it probably smells so bad in there. Yeah, and they start, like, gasping for air. Like, at first I was like, oh, is it, like, really hot? But I think it's, like, there's just no air. The oxygen's getting pulled out. So that happens. And then more shit starts to happen in this elevator. Like, a blind man has, you know, he's got his cane. He's going to the elevator. And the door opens up and he just falls down the shaft and, like, splatters to death. This security guard in the building gets decapitated. (laughs)
0: great special effects
1: oh my decapitation fabulous yeah he's got like his head on the bottom and then like the elevator comes down the shaft and just like slices it off there's like a slow motion fall where the camera's at the bottom of the elevator shaft and you can like see the head bouncing in slow motion it's great
0: i love that um the elevator starts off like antagonizing these obnoxious drunks who are like kind of have it coming in like a slasher movie kind of sense, you know, like (laughs) when you like overindulge in drugs and alcohol and like have flagrant sexuality, that's when like Jason Voorhees kills you. So it kind of makes sense that the elevator is going to kill them. But then later it's like attacking the blind or like janitors and security guards or like children. Yes.
1: (laughs) That's what makes it super. Like I was scared. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens is uh, this guy named Felix, who is like in charge of this elevator, I'm assuming like he, when the elevator was built, like it was sort of like his baby almost. And he's like really familiar with it. And he like, so they call him to come in and they're like, this elevator is like killing people. Something's got to be wrong with it. And he can't find anything wrong with it. So he becomes like obsessed with figuring out what's going on. With this elevator and his obsession becomes so intense that he like loses his family (laughs) over it where his wife is just like over him leaves with the kids and it almost like becomes a horror movie in that sense too where you know someone's like just their obsession like almost leads them to madness. So I still am not quite sure what the whole dealio is with the elevator but Felix Along with this, um, reporter for this like National Enquirer type magazine, who's like interested in all like the murders of the elevator, like they kind of have this romantic relationship going on too through all this, and they're both like invested in the the elevator death mystery. Well, he eventually finds out that the elevator, through some kind of weird science situation that I don't <laughs> understand, because I. I suck at science and I don't get it.
0: It's not real science, Brittany.
1: It's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I don't know. Well, We're using like terms like micro stuff. And I'm like, okay, sure. That's a thing. But basically <laughs> these weird scientists made this elevator and like in horror movies and sci-fi movies where like machines start to think on their own, kind of like Westworld, this elevator starts to get a mind of its own And it begins to, like, kill and think for itself. And there's some, like, gooey space slime that does that.
0: Yeah, it's like this organic AI material. And it seems like what they're, like, trying to make you afraid of is, like, microchip technology. The fact that they have these, like, little small
1: microchips. That's that's what they're putting in the vaccines.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) Wait. Is that a real conspiracy theory? You ha-
1: Oh, my God. I have an aunt, and you might have met her. She's my aunt from, like, Boston or Marblehead, Massachusetts. But she's, like, constantly, like, hounding all of them, my- like, like, me and my family, where it's, like... Yeah, you know that they can make microchips small enough to fit through the needles of vaccines. That's why their COVID-19 exists. Because they want to put chips in us. Wouldn't
0: you just shit it out, If even if that was true? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, would sh- I shit everything out. I'm like, I would just <laughs> shit that out in a heartbeat. I would just fly right out. And then first of all, I'm like, I'm the kind of person, I'm like, if the government wants to know where I am, like... That makes me feel slightly like a celebrity and that someone cares. So I'm I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I'm down for it. Whatever. But so I thought that was so funny, but no that is a huge conspiracy theory with like COVID-19 and vaccines like going on right now is, is these like microchips. So just well, like these the lift. people
0: would be terrified of the lift. They would hate
1: the lift. So that makes sense. I couldn't what you said described the It's like AI fake science.
0: <laughs> that runs off of these like organic microchips that can like duplicate and program themselves and become independent of you know human intervention i don't fully get what they were trying to make (laughs) with that like was that supposed to go into like weapons development or something also very hard to pinpoint all this because the version of this that's on shutter is gorgeously restored like the colors and the images are so beautiful Mm -hmm. but it has this bizarre english language dub Yeah. That it's just so obviously not even the original script that I I have no idea what we're missing in translation because it's so goofy.
1: I know. I'm curious to see what we are missing and if it makes it better. Um (laughs) probably not. But yeah, like the beauty of the film is very like there's like these really cool neon blues and it almost has like that Argento vibrancy to it. Yeah. It's a cool neon movie. I do want to say, like, there is a part in here where, you know, when you have, like, those drinks that you spit out your mouth when there's a funny moment situations? A spit take. Spit take. Yeah, I had that with the part where (laughs) there's a little girl with her doll playing in, like, the hallway, and her mom is, like, having this afternoon tryst with a business guy. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, whatever, my daughter's in the hall who gives a shit. She sucks. Um, And the little girl, like, kind of plays with the elevator where the elevator opens up and she goes to it and it closes. And then the third one opens up and she goes to it and it closes. So it's like they're playing this game and then it crushes her doll's head and her mom, like, hears her screaming. And because the, the little girl ruined her mom's, like, tryst with this, like, gross businessman... She like slaps her daughter across the face and calls her a brat.
0: Jesus.
1: <laughs> it was like the, the mommy dearest moment that I'd needed. And you would this. think
0: that, you know, the elevator would kill the mother, you know, as retribution for that or something, but <laughs> it, it, it never happens.
1: Just went after
0: some poor janitor instead.
1: <laughs> I know, the innocent you know and once again that's what makes this movie kind of creepy is it's just not going after the bad people or all the people having sex it's going after everybody
0: i gotta say this is my favorite movie we watched today i thought it was so fun
1: i enjoyed it too and i thought i really want to watch down yeah to see like what the american version of this looks like in the 2000s
0: Honestly, that might have been a better option than the one we went with. <laughs> instead,
1: we can always do an elevator part two or something.
0: There's enough of them. There's, there's a lot, movies.
1: and I bet you in the Down film, it's 2001, so you know there's going to be some new metal.
0: <laughs> and then last year, uh, they had another movie called Down that was like a elevator horror film as part of like Hulu's Into the Dark series.
1: And that one was good. It's more lady in a cage where. The elevator is just the setting of the horror, but not the actual monster. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, in Lyft, the elevator is definitely the monster. There's like a bunch of shots of just like creepy synth music shooting these like elevator doors as they slowly open. And like that's supposed to be the creepy thing, which, you know, has been done in actually respectable horror movies before. I'm thinking of like The Shining having those like. That slow elevator door opening with the the weird <laughs> symmetry, and then like the river of blood spills out of it. That's an iconic horror movie image, right? This one, it's trying to do that same sort of like eerie, otherworldly quality, but the elevator itself is like basically the shark in Jaws. Like it's just this thing that attacks you, which is unavoidably goofy. You can't take it a hundred percent seriously as like high art, which makes those like shots with like the weird symmetry and the eerie music also funny maybe it's a little creepy but at the same time you never like fully take it seriously oh I no think.
1: no the only time like i kind of took it somewhat seriously is like when it tries to close real fast <laughs> because i hate when that happens oh yeah i'm always afraid i'm going to lose an arm because like i always have like this knee jerk reaction when the elevator's starting to close to fling my arm out But, like, (laughs) at my office building, one of the elevators, the sensors are lower, so it doesn't recognize your arm. It would only recognize your leg and always forget which elevator it is. So that might happen to me.
0: And I feel like the movie considers, like, different ways that elevators are scary like that. Like, you know, fastly closing doors or, you know, the fear of suffocating if you're caught in there with no oxygen
1: or it opening up and it just being the elevator shaft and you the like, empty don't shaft. realize it. Yeah.
0: There's a, a part at the end where the cables like snap loose and like whip around and strangle somebody. Oh,
1: I forgot about that. That was cool.
0: It tries to come up with every single way that an elevator could possibly kill or harm you, even though the kill scenes are pretty far apart. And there's a lot of talking in the movie. The like journalist investigation mm-hmm. is so much of it.
1: It was kind of boring with that.
0: It's boring, but I kind of liked it. Because <laughs> the more they had to talk, the more insane it just got. Like, they had to fill in the space with something because they couldn't afford to just do nothing but special effects shots.
1: They should just kill that little girl's mom instead. <laughs> and that office guy.
0: That would have cost more money, though. Instead, oh, you know, right. send the people to a science lab and have, like, <laughs> these, like, uh, professors really talk about microchips.
1: conversation I don't get. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. But it's so
0: stupid and, like, vacuous that it's, like, delirious making like it, the movie made me feel like i was insane by the end of it
1: it does have a weird pattern of death because like i find like there's quite a few that happen in the beginning and not that many in the end and most horror movies it's flip-flopped you know you've got like one or two in the beginning and then you've got a shit ton at the end of the movie
0: this does have a grand finale though where like the you're right elevator tech has to like do battle with this thing that's been um... <laughs> he
1: has to shoot the elevator to kill it
0: <laughs> he like climbs up the shaft like john mcclain and like yeah. has a shootout with its uh it's like mainframe which is, has this like glowing cronenberg goo that's it just leaking like out of it
1: s- all that slime shit that all these people on tiktok are making <laughs>
0: Ugh. well were you as um excited about this movie as i was because i was actually like really giddy during it
1: i had a good time with it like like i laughed It kept my attention for the whole time. And I just loved like the look and the synth pop vibe of it was really cool. Like I could see this in, you know, whenever bars open up again and they have those like dance nights where they'll play like, you know, synth pop or industrial music to a movie in the background. Like, I feel like yeah. this would be a really cool one to to do that, too.
0: It looks great. Like, the version on Shudder is, like, really pretty.
1: Yeah. Thank you for lending me your Shudder account stuff so I could see it. Because the YouTube one's okay, but it's not as vibrant for sure.
0: But the dub is so hilariously bad. The arguments between the elevator tech and his wife are, like, particularly awful. <laughs> she just comes across as this, like, horrible nag uh, throughout the entire movie um and it's like she can't be that bad in the original I'd version. rather
1: just watch it with subtitles.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wherever it's that kind of is. preferable. Well, the other movie I picked out um, because I enjoyed it in 2010 when it first came out, uh, it's called Devil. And yeah. It's another like supernatural type version of an elevator horror movie <laughs> where five people from various backgrounds are stuck in an elevator and
1: Who are they stuck in the elevator with?
0: One of them is the <laughs> devil. Uh, and this is a story outline created from the twisted mind of M. Night Shyamalan.
1: <laughs> the man who wrote Lady in the Water for his kids.
0: <laughs> and yeah, this is from that, like, his low period, I would say. Like, yeah. this is after the happening. It was around the time he made, like, Last Airbender and, like, After Earth. Which, when we did our, like, Shyamalan episodes last year, we did not even touch that period of his like we kind of like skipped over the shitty period before he came back with glass and uh the
1: good shit
0: yeah the visit and all that and the movie's kind of like over stylized like a Shyamalan movie it starts with this like upside down aerial shot of New York City skyline to like really show you that the world's just upside down on this like (laughs) creepy day uh and then it goes down the elevator shaft like the same like continuous exterior shot in this like really horrible cgi maneuver And it's kind of set up in that same like bedtime story uh, structure that Lady in the Water has where like this uh, Latino superstitious security guard who works in this like giant office building um, narrates the story that his grandmother used to tell about um, how when someone kills themselves, the devil is invited into the real world and can cause mayhem. Like that's his invitation to like shake things up among mortals. And through that POV, we're sort of like clued into that. You know, this elevator is not just malfunctioning. There's like something bigger going on. Uh, And these characters are connected in ways that they don't realize at first. So this is kind of like final destination, like eerie atmosphere, like the fates are fucking with people. But I just can't recall exactly why I liked this so much (laughs) a decade ago. It really is just like not impressive in any way. It does this like horrible thing that I feel like a lot of horror movies used to do about 10 years ago, where the screen will go black every now and then. like The elevator lights will go out, and then it'll come back, and you'll see you know, someone was wounded, but we didn't actually see what happened.
1: I love that about this, because I saw this in theaters, and as a theatrical experience with the blackout times, were, those are were really, really cool.
0: I could see that working. I don't know. I was just watching it at home. I was just like, I'd rather see something... Weird. Like, I feel like the, you know, we were joking about elevated horror just because it sounds similar uh, at the top of the episode. But, like, you know, that Ari Aster version where, like, you know, the violence is going to happen and then you watch it happen and then you deal with the aftermath and it, like, doesn't cut away. Mm -hmm. Like, that is more effective in creeping me out than a quick flash that's, like, meant to make me jump. And then the information is, like, obscured.
1: This movie is. It's more of like those fun type horror movies that you watch in theaters with a group of people or you watch with a group of people. But like, if I were to find this in someone's like DVD collection, I would be very suspicious of that person and their taste. (laughs) Like who watches this on their own repeatedly, like more than once.
0: (laughs) I used to own a copy, but yeah, (laughs) I I watched it with friends, you know?
1: Yeah. It's like a good, fun movie night movie, I think. Just because of the jump scares and like all the the weird little puzzle pieces that come together where it's like the devil's coming the devil's coming and it just builds up till you're waiting for the devil
0: <laughs> to be honest like what i really remembered about it was that it was like these five characters stuck in this elevator where it was almost like a stage play i kind of remember it being a more claustrophobic experience mhm where you like there's just no escaping from this like tiny cramped space and these people were like dangers to each other Because of the paranoia and the constriction, but watching it now, especially uh, right now when so many people are talking about how so many mainstream movies are propaganda, like there's this whole New York city police detective storyline where these cops are like trying to save the people from the elevator and the movie just like sort of diffuses what makes it special You know what I'm saying? Like we keep leaving that room to hang out with these cops in like the security guard room, looking at the monitors
1: and just showing how useless they all are. Yeah, it's such a waste of time. Yeah.
0: If there's anything positive I can say about it, it, it's just that it does have that M Night Shyamalan like trickiness to it. That sort of like gimmick is a good hook, Uh, and that's really what I remembered from it. Looking back, was just the premise and the sort of like stylization of it Mm -hmm. but i feel like if he had directed this it would have been a lot more fun somehow like i feel like he would have found a way to actually make it as good as it could have been
1: i think we would have spent more time in the elevator
0: yeah for sure
1: you know i did like it for this reason like because it pissed me off and it made me (laughs) (laughs) i liked it because it pissed me off well the fact that like these five people are meant to be in this elevator because they are all, they've all done horrible things they haven't repented for. And that's why the devil's like there to kill them and take them to hell. But they really didn't do anything that bad (laughs) to warrant like your soul going to hell. You know what I mean? Like it was very mild. And I found that to be so entertaining where I'm like, why couldn't they have been more creative with these people's like past? Like the temporary security guard that's in there. Like, he got in a fight with someone and like beat someone up with a baseball bat. So he's going to go to hell. And like the woman's going to go to hell, but, and the devil's taken her because she marries old men for their money. Like it was just kind of really shitty reasons for the devil to get them. You know, if they were going to go there with this movie, these people should have had some like heavier sins. (laughs) you know,
0: if the whole movie was in the elevator and like, you're not allowed to leave. And the characters realized something supernatural was going on and kind of had to confess their sins. And the sins just kept getting worse and worse. Like, you know, you're like, be like, well, you know, I stole some money. Well, actually, it's worse than that. I stole money from like blind orphans,
1: and then I killed them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then I then
0: burned the orphanage down. Yeah, um.
1: <laughs> that's what I think M Night Shyamalan would do if he was if this was his movie. Like, I think he would have done more like or this like devil thing, like messing with their minds and making them confront like the people that they've either murdered or like are done wrong, like morphing the people in the elevator to like, you know, shape shift into that person and for them to like relive that time. Yeah. That would have been something Scare that, confessions
0: out of them. Yeah.
1: M night would have done it.
0: I think he would have had a more interesting visual palette too. He's really good at like visual gimmickry. And also I think he would have made it funnier. The biggest thrill I got out of this entire movie was uh one of the people in the elevators is this like business dick. Like this, like, asshole businessman.
1: Oh, the mattress salesman. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Someone tells him, why don't you lay off? Because he's, like, picking on one of the other people. And he goes, why don't you suck a butt? (laughs) Which (laughs) got a huge laugh out of me. And I feel like that's the kind of, like, goofy (laughs) humor that would have been in, like, the Shyamalan version of this. And honestly, for a few reasons, would have been a really smart career move for him at the time. Like, he was making these giant blockbuster movies that people didn't like like last airbender and after earth at the time when he came back with the visit and with a uh, split it was the blumhouse style of movie with like you know limited locations and like smaller budgets and that's kind of what makes the elevator horror movie attractive in the first place is that it's like a affordable contained environment to stage a movie in like even the lift which really like plays with how much you can do with an elevator probably couldn't have cost that much to make. Mm. And this one's even more limited. Like there aren't a lot of special effects outside of a few CGI shots.
1: I would have liked to see an elevator cable like whip in there and like electrocute somebody or something.
0: Well yeah, I think that's right. Either they'd have to go bigger and actually like use the CGI to like do something like kind of like grand and ridiculous to justify even having all these outside people trying to break into the elevator to save these like poor souls or, you know, go even smaller where it's just like a stage play in a trapped room. Cause the movie's short. It really could have been just an hour of people talking.
1: And like, even if they would have stayed with the crimes that they did, like if they would have been more, you don't really get to know any, like most of the characters to the point where like you have any empathy for them or you care about, their story you know like i would have liked to see more like character dialogue i guess like they the only focus i think was on like the, the mechanic character that has the weird connection to the cop
0: yeah i feel like the cop is the one that gets the most background and the most to do and i sort really of emotionally. don't care
1: about it you know no uh
0: especially right now i don't want to watch movies that are like kind of cops make them out to be heroes Uh, it's not fun so i don't know if i have a larger point here it's just that i still like m night Shyamalan. i wish he had actually directed this and if you have fond memories of this movie it's not as good as you remember it being because that's what (laughs) i learned this week
1: and if you watch it again and you still like it reevaluate yourself (laughs) yeah there's better
0: stuff out there (laughs) yeah if elevated horror films like that a24 like art horror style is what replaced this which I feel like this is a typical late 2000s type movie. Mm -hmm. Um, We're better off now. Like people can make fun of the pretentiousness of a 24 horror films all day. Uh, I'll still take that over this like big budget PG 13 slick. Oh, totally thing where like nothing really happens and everything's implicated. And it's all about loud noises. Just sort of startling you in your seat. Like, Good riddance to this style of filmmaking.
1: Goodbye, devil.
0: Goodbye. I'm never watching this again. This was a
1: good. I'm glad we watched it, though, because I had like thoughts in my head about it where I'm like, oh, I always forget about that. I should watch it. I should watch it. And I watched it. You know, I'm glad we tackled it. And
0: now we never have to watch it again.
1: Yep, we're done.
0: And you know what? I would watch The Lift again tomorrow.
1: Oh, same, (laughs) same. Kind of want to watch The Lift tonight <laughs> after talking about it so much. It's really good.
0: And I'd say Lady in the Cage is somewhere in the middle. I really liked it. I don't think I could watch it all the time because it made me feel icky as fuck. So I'm going to save that one for when I'm in a foul mood and want to watch something about how awful every human being on the earth is. Uh, that's <laughs> that's a good time to watch Lady in the Cage. <laughs> well, I think that about wraps it up for Elevators. Yeah, I think we're done with this topic for now. <laughs> we right. can revisit because there's enough of it out there because it's so cheap to make because the locations are limited and you can only fit so many characters in an elevator. So uh, maybe in the future, we'll come back to this for now. If you want to check out anything we've done on the website recently, earlier in the episode, we mentioned that our current movie of the month is Funeral Parade of Roses. And it's one of my all time favorite movies and kind of like Lady in a Cage is like a crazed sixties, black and white violent picture that draws Influence from Oedipus Rex, but at the same time is also like this, like super queer, fun party movie with a bunch of trans women and drag queens in it.
1: The best eye makeup I've seen in a film, probably.
0: Oh, yeah. The the looks are great. So, yeah, I'll link just our conversation about that movie in this episode. If you want to, like, read about it, Um, highly recommend checking it out just because it's it's a great film and really singular. There's so few movies like it. uh, That's really special. And we'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, now that the year's halfway over, uh, you, me, and James are going to return to the best movies of 2019 one last time and talk about some movies we missed back when we did our episode on the best of the year. Um, if you can remember back to January when we talked about that, it seems like a long time ago.
1: Right. relatively it's Half a year ago
0: supposedly it feels more like a decade i know (laughs) and we'll talk to y'all then see y'all in a couple weeks goodbye bye